discover what your superpowers are, invest in them, be yourself, be confident in who you are, find your purpose, and that will lead you to a life of freedom and fulfillment. Hello everybody, welcome back to Mentors. Today we have on Kurt Megadante, a coach and advisor for freedom and fulfillment. He's worked with some of the biggest corporations and nonprofits in America. He's the host of the Freedom Club podcasts and one of LinkedIn's biggest influencers. And today in this episode, we'll be discussing discovering freedom and adversity, breaking the mold and opening the mind, thinking for the self the importance of family and its structure and the victim culture. Um, one could put this all as unplugging from the matrix and understanding reality. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. There's so much you can get from it. Uh, I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. And welcome back to Mentors. Today we have on Kurt Mercadante on. Kurt, thank you so much for being on. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. So where I wanted to start first was your story. So um, telling the audience a little bit about, you know, where you came from, how you started out, and then, you know, where you are today. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up um, wanting, ever since I was probably 10 years old, I wanted to own my own business. Um, and because of that, I was always very impatient. I hated school. I hated, I went to college. I hated college. I, a friend of mine, well, my roommate at the time, we figured out kind of jokingly, but it was actually serious that over the course of four years, I think I attended about 19% of my classes. Um, but I worked a lot. I had uh, internships. I worked for a U.S. Senator. One of my professors had a public opinion research uh, company. And so I that's where I got the most benefit from my education was actually working. I had internships in DC, New York. So when I got out, I was ready for the actual workforce. Mm -hmm. And so I worked in public relations, corporate public relations for years, uh, political campaigns. And in um, 04, 05, I started a public relations and ad agency that I had up until last year. And about five years into it, I had this feeling that uh, of overwhelm and frustration and I got frustrated with my clients. I wanted to give it all up. And, you know, my wife and kids would, I, I didn't see them enough. I would work all day at a home office. I would go up into the office. I'd come down for dinner. I'd go up into my home office and disappear till four in the morning. I'd come out, get at 630 and do it all over again. And so I had built a prison instead of a business. And so I did some things, built a program to get out of that. And I was able to truly scale up my business. There's a difference between scaling a business and growing it. Scaling it is when you do it in alignment with the, the other two facets of your life. So there's work, family, and self. There's no such thing as people talk about work-life balance. There's no such thing. <laughs> and so I was able to scale it up. But even then, I had this feeling that at the end of the day, I wasn't doing what I was put on this earth to do. Mm -hmm. And I felt guilty because of that. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. I, I got this successful business. I'm making great money. I got But there's still something missing. And so I started unofficially coaching some of my clients and some other people according to the program that I had used to scale up my business. And at the end of the days when I would coach, I had the feeling, yes, now that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. So I decided to shut down my PR and ad agency, gave up some great revenue, scariest thing I've ever done, but the most rewarding. And so I haven't looked back and I'm having the most fun now. Um, it's the most fulfilling. You know, when I get messages from people who watch my videos on LinkedIn and say, you know, thank you for helping me. I really needed to hear that today. It's, it, it just makes my day. No, that's, that's honestly incredible. And so like for a little bit on the background side, you talked about internships and like my school, I'm blessed with an amazing school that has a 
huge internship network that allows like, hey, to allow seniors to go, hey, we have internships all across the board. What do you want to do? But, you know, as a kid who probably didn't have access to that, how are you able to find internships? So, you know, even stay, taking a step back further from that, um, I, and as an example, I had a guy, he's in college at Ohio State, and he messaged me last week. And he said, um, he was in like the marketing area, but he had this dream. He said, listen, I'm considering some internships, but I really have this business idea that I want to start. And he said, what do you recommend? And I said, well, what's your business idea? And it had to do with creating videos uh, with farmers that he would put in certain restaurants to create awareness of the farm to table and where your food oh, comes wow. from. And I thought it was excellent. And I said, well, why in the world do you want an internship? He wanted to intern with like a PR agency or something. I said, if you want to do that, go and start making videos. I'll hook yeah. you up with video creators. Don't do it. And he said, well, because that's what my professor, that's what people told me. And I think that's the problem, a problem that we have in society is that from the, you know, when we come out of the womb, we are, we have a sense of discovery and a sense of wonder and exploration, even if it's just discovering the world by our parents' feet or out on the back deck. And somewhere along the line, it's starting as early as preschool, it gets squeezed out of us. And some folks, uh, someone just told me that there was, I don't know where it was at, but there was a preschool that canceled their, they had like a theater program for preschoolers. They canceled it because it wasn't uh, perfect. They wanted to put kids on a track for college and the theater wasn't doing that in preschool. And so you start this coerced conformity and standardization that starts then and where you have to master all eight subjects, no matter what you're passionate in, no matter what you're strong in. And so I say, that's like telling Usain Bolt, listen, your hundred meter time is really great, but you're horrible at the mile. So you're not allowed to run the hundred meters anymore. All you're going to do is run the mile. It's insane. We would think it's yeah. insane there. So by the time kids get to 16 or 17, Dr. Peter Gray in his book, Free to Learn, talks about there's a problem with depression and kids 16 and 17 having a feeling of loss of control over their life because everything has been structured since they were a baby. And so they don't know how to make a choice. They don't know how to follow their passion. So when you talk about internships, once you get to that point, it's wonderful that in high school, and in school, there's this, there's, there's certain schools that are looking at what do you want to do? What are you passionate about? But there's certain people that they get to that point and they choose an internship based on what someone tells them they should do, what their parent tells them they should do, and things like that. I was lucky enough, my parents from the time I was little let me explore whatever I wanted to explore. They sent me to space camp. Um, in, in Huntsville, Alabama, they let me do those things. And so I went through an astronaut phase. I went through it. I wanted to be an economist. I wanted to do all this stuff. They let me explore that until I determined what I wanted to do. And so finding the internships, I was instilled with that sense of, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. It started with my parents. And so I determined what I wanted to do, a clear path and found internships that fit my purpose at the time. But like, you know, you had that from your parents and so did I, um, right. I was, I was the first kid. So I kind of watched my, uh, especially my mom and my dad flourish into, you know, my dad has, you know, he has a, he has a book, he has his own podcast. He's a teacher. He's, he's a very, he's a father figure to a lot of other kids. He's a public speaker. He now has, you know, he, he has his own business. He has a lot of things going on and through him flourishing, he was kind of like, Ava, do what you want now, because I understand the world. And then my mom started to you know, build up. She was a little afraid, but you know, she's like, cool. You know, I'm in nursing. I see problems with a lot of girls because I'm an OBGYN. 
you know, I think they need a comforting place. I want to start a clinic. I want to have my own clinic. And, you know, through that, my mom's like, Ava, do what you want, because honestly, there's so much there. Um, you know, you and I were blessed to have those parents with exploring, right. but then how do, how do people with that are forced to have that structure? How do you think that they could break the mold? Cause it's hard to think for yourself. You know, yeah. it's hard to, it's, it's painful to try to discover yourself. I think that the entire system, and when I say system, I don't just mean the educational system. I think society <laughs> needs to be, we need to start over. And I think we've gone, listen, it, this is not a political statement, but Hillary Clinton had a book called It Takes a Village. And listen, I believe in community. I believe in helping your fellow humans. Yeah. But with all due respect, I think it takes a family and it takes a home. Oh, yeah. And it starts at the home. And if you can't, we live in an age when in many homes, two parents have to work just to make ends meet. Heck, just to pay taxes these days, right? Mm -hmm. And so over and over, and I think there's been a growth in, in, in the, over the decades in that people are just outsourcing raising of their kids to soccer coaches to, and I've seen this as a soccer coach, you know, that these parents just drop them off and the, they're, they're outsourcing it to schools. Yeah. And I don't care if you're on the left side of the spectrum or the right side of the spectrum, but if you're not raising your kid, we raise our kids a certain way. And someone said, you're brainwashing your kids. I said, you're darn right. I am. They're my kids. When they get to be 18, they can do it. But if you if you, and when I say brainwashing, raising them with a certain set of values that you have and acting like you give a darn about how your kids are going to turn up. There are parents, and I see them all the time. I see people who come to me who are 40 years old, who didn't have parents who did this, to take an interest in what they do, to question what's going on at their schools, to question what doctors are telling them, to question everything. Yeah. And we've learned to outsource, outsource our thought, outsource our values to teachers to doctors to you know professors to whoever and we've stopped thinking for ourselves thinking for our families and raising our families um and i think it's to the detriment of of the future <laughs> of our society really no i totally agree like i read a um or i read or listened to like a short little article and it basically talked about you know when family system started to collapse and again there's multiple leak reasons for it like it could either be working or it could be like mom's not going to be a mom anymore by the way we're out or like the dad's like bye i'm, I'm gonna take off your mom we're gonna do whatever we want try to raise yourselves this happened a lot in society so like you'd ha you'd end up with mom and dad like dad having two other moms maybe a third person maybe that's a mom i don't know and then mom would just kind of fleet around do whatever she wanted society started to collapse because right. you know no they didn't have structure they didn't have a unit and you didn't raise anyone with those beautiful again it doesn't matter what where you are on politically but with fundamental values and morals right. and structure and it all goes to crap like one of the questions i wanted to ask you later on was like you know especially because who you are today and everything you've learned and done like how do you raise your own kids right yeah so we homeschool our kids and we do that um, just because we feel it's right for us, we like to, listen, I'm very entrepreneurial. There's people who homeschool and homeschool has become more, I, I hate the term mainstream, but there are different people who homeschool for different reasons. There are people who homeschool for social reasons, for religious reasons, for political reasons, for a variety of reasons. We, 
we we don't do it for religious regions. We're very I would I hate the term religious, but we're we're, we're Catholic. We are very um, um, we go to church every Sunday. We raise our kids with those values. Mm-hmm. But really, if you have to get down to it, we have a very entrepreneurial style. We do a lot of self directed education. Um, some people would call it unschooling. We're not quite unschooling, um, but it's very entrepreneurial. It's strengths-based. I'm a strengths coach. And so we apply that to the education of our children. We don't, we're not what, the, what some people call helicopter parents, yeah. where don't climb that tree, don't do this, don't do that. We let them explore. We let them fail. You know, they're in boxing class. Learn to take a punch. And that's not just about boxing class. That's in life. You know, the amount of younger people, when I say younger people, I'm 42, so people younger than me, right, mm-hmm. that watch mm-hmm. Gary Vaynerchuk, and, oh, I love his message. I love his message. What well, at its core, his message is suck it up, take a punch, take a loss, keep moving. And they nod their heads and they clap and they clap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they get a mean comment on social media and they disappear for a week and they can't go on with their life. And it's like, you know what? If that's the biggest adversity, and I shared a video with you about my grandfather, you know, yeah. who had real adversity people have to learn some adversity. And when you don't have, there's a guy named Toph Evans. He is, um, he, he was a, he almost committed suicide about five years ago, depression, uh, hard drugs. And he lives in an area called, you know, they call it paradise. It's the Gold Coast of Australia. And he said, there's so much money there that these kids and people his age, he's in his mid twenties now, they grow up without any sense of adversity, any pressure on them. Mm. And, you know, when you apply pressure to coal, what happens? You get a diamond, right? Yeah, yeah. He has, these kids have everything. And the rates of depression and mental health issues are huge because there yeah. isn't that sense of adversity. And so we, we, that's what happens when you have decades of prosperity, right? Um, and it, it worries me because I see some things that are happening. And I, 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 maybe I sound like an old man when I say that. But it's the same people who watch Gary Vee and are like, yes, yes. And then they turn around and don't live that way. Two thirds of millennials, Washington Post just came out, don't know what Auschwitz is. And Auschwitz, it, you know, it, it's, it's alarming to me that if we don't understand our history and understand what real adversity is, or worse yet, someone told me that other people got offended when he posted a picture online of, dead American soldiers on the beach at Normandy. And they got offended by that. When that's what's happening, it, there's a problem. Oh, the, right now is the age, is the age of how can I be offended? Right. How, 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 how can someone tell me that it's not my fault? And I think as a coach, because I, like, I haven't dug too much into your coaching style, but I'm going to guess one of your coaching things is, no, it is your fault. And you need to face that. People need to understand risk, failure, dusting themselves off, getting back in the game, or getting in the game to begin with. There was a, a client that I had, and we parted ways because she wasn't doing the work. And I knew that she had pockets of time to do the work because I gave her those pot. I said, let's cancel our coaching session night. So you have time to work on the activity. How can I help you create time? She sent me a nine paragraph email saying, 
one of the things she said is, I don't know anyone as busy as me, maybe Elon Musk, and put it off on excuses, excuses, excuses. And like you said, there are people who look, gosh, you, you just talked about the, the, the family unit and the importance of having a family unit. You can't even talk about that these days. There's hard economic statistics that show families that have a father who's there and actually not just a biological father, but a, someone who's there as a father, you know, the kids are more like, less likely to suffer from alcoholism, depression, mm -hmm. more likely to be, you know, economically stable. You can't even say that anymore because then by saying that, oh, suddenly you're saying that single moms are bad. No, you're not yeah. saying that. You're, you're stating a fact. And so you're absolutely right that we're in the age where everything is offensive. Um, we're in a victim society. And I, I see it every day with people who come to me and, um, I, and the videos I make are in response to the people who come to me and say they have every excuse in the world that they can't do it. And in my video today, I said, I think of my grandfather. And you don't know what adversity is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I then, don't. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, especially adversity like that. Because I, like, I listen to the story, and it's like, especially like that. He didn't, he didn't know the things he was going to get into until he learned, until he did it. You know, adversity like that. And I mean, like, well, um, oh, I'm from Indiana. Do you know Eva Kaur? Sounds familiar. You brought up you brought up Auschwitz too, and so she wrote um, "Surviving the Angel of Death." I think she wrote another book. She was one of the she was one of the experimental twins. Her, you know, she was in she was in Auschwitz, and she she's like to this day, I still don't know what they put in my veins, but they did. And she's like, I survived that as a young girl. My sister died, um, and she's like, but you know, but I survived. You know, that's you know, usually talk about Auschwitz. Like that's adversity. That's something crazy. And, and again, if you don't have those stories, then I don't know what we're doing. So like, how do you, how do you open these people's eyes? Cause especially as a coach, cause you know, people come to you with the victim mindsets. How do you propose to them that like, you have to, you have to find a different mindset. So with my, with potential clients or with my clients, they have to be ready. You know, I, I talk about Gary Vee a lot because he, he makes a ton of sense, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a cool guy. Selling, you know, your job is not to convert everyone. It's not to sell the sellable. And there are people who come to me and within the first minutes I can tell if they're ready or not. And so they have to be ready. And, and so there are people who, if they keep making excuses, they haven't felt enough pain and there's nothing I can do to convince them to jump into my program until they have felt that pain. Most of my clients are 45 and above mm. because they've tried stuff. When you're in your twenties or thirties, a couple things, you, you think you have all the time in the world. And so the notion that time is a non-renewable resource, you just don't believe it. Yeah. And then as you get older, things happen. Parents pass away. You, you get around 40, 45, and you can start to see 60 around the window. Your kids are getting older, and you realize, wow, what am I doing? I got to get. And so when I talk to people in their 30s, they're like, no, no, I'm not paying that. There's enough time left. I'm not going to do that. And, and so if you're not ready, you're not ready. And I'm not going to force you into it. I'm not going to try and convince you. Listen, I have a great sales pitch. <laughs> come on in. <laughs> but the clients who come in have felt that pain. Some are skeptical, but you work with them in a very systematic approach, we start with unlocking your superpowers, I call them. They're, they're actually your strengths and everyone has untapped superpowers to find what your naturally occurring patterns of thought, feeling, and behavior that when you work in them and invest in them, you're in your strength zone, your superpower zone, things start coming easier to you. 
And after several uh, weeks, my clients start to have this aha moment and they're like, oh my gosh. And we work towards your vision and your purpose. You're like, wow, now I'm understanding what I was meant to do and put on this earth to do. And so my hope is that they'll go with their kids and other people and try to raise them the same way. Yeah. Um, but, but on an over uh, kind of aside from coaching, you know, I grew up wanting to, ever since in high school, I wanted to change the world and save the world. And I thought the best way to do it was in politics. Mm. And the thing about politics is this, and I'm jaded because I've, I've, I've seen a lot of things over the years, worked in DC, I worked in Chicago politics. Politicians, politics isn't about saving the world, it's about saving the politicians. And I decided that, and Isaac Morehouse, who founded Praxis, was in politics too. And we, we, we kind of had a similar realization that I'm gonna decide to save the world one person at a time. I'm gonna do it with my family and I'm gonna do it with my clients and I'm gonna do it through my videos. When people email me, when they see my videos and they say I've helped them. Um, and if I can do that, then I'm filling my mission every day versus yeah. I'm gonna try and fight the armies of society with, you know, on my own, it's just not gonna work. And so my, there are a lot of people whose idea of trying to save the world or get involved is sharing a motivational meme on Facebook or commenting, I hate Trump, I hate Obama, I hate this, I hate that. And they won't raise a finger to do anything within their own family, within their community. They've never volunteered for something in their town. Yeah. And um, I share that message as much as I can and people get offended. And I, frankly, I don't care if they get offended. <laughs> it's true, yeah. you know? So, um, I like to think small in order to have big impact, my oh. family, my community, my town, and people just, people don't want to do that anymore. I mean, I've seen like the moonshot in your message, a, like you call it like a free and fulfilled world right. where everyone, like, like, I think that a free and fulfilled world would be beautiful if everyone, you know, knew a purpose, had like, we're driven and and we talked about family structures. We, there was a structure of the family. Kids were the kids were raised to the best of the parents' ability, and the kids even went out and learned their own things. And they weren't, you know. Of course, you're always going to have a societal structure, but at least the structure could be good this time, you know. There's right. so many crazy cool things that you could do, um, especially with well, because another one of the things I wanted to get into was like, you know, you're talking about your clients. What is one of your like really amazing client success stories? Yeah. So what, one thing she comes to mind, she just wrote me an, an incredible testimonial on LinkedIn. She lives in Midland, Texas. She's in her sixties. And she, when she came to me, I had done a video talking about how my dad at age 55, he had been president, CEO of large corporations, fortune 500 companies. And in the mid eighties, he found himself out of work in his mid fifties, which is not a good recipe. You know, when you get past your fifties, people don't want to hire you. And so he was unemployed for maybe two years. It was tough on us as a family. You know, I was nine years old, so it didn't, I, you know, I didn't know what was going on, yeah, but yeah. I remember it now. My dad got a job uh, delivering newspapers and he would get me up at four in the morning and we'd go and deliver newspapers. But he reinvented himself as mm -hmm. a, um, he was a mechanical engineer by trade, but he reinvented himself as a management consultant and went on to have another 20 years of career designing 
airliners and design, you know, all this stuff. She saw that and said, I'm in my 60s. Can I reinvent myself? And I said, yeah, if, whether you have one day left on this earth or 40 years, why would you want to live one more millisecond without freedom and fulfillment? So we entered this program and, and um, she says, you know, her biggest challenge was getting up in the morning when we first met. Wow. And now she said she's excited for every single week. And her vision is to uh, crush whatever obstacles are in her way using her strengths. She's painting now. She's actually, she loves color and she's always loved color. And so she started painting. I said, here's, here's a, some links in your town. Take some art classes. She started taking art classes. She's actually selling. This was in January. It's April now. She's selling artwork. Wow. And so she has found um, that freedom and fulfillment and a new, she's reinvented, recalibrated herself. And it's, it, it's really amazing. No, that's incredible, especially in that short amount of time. Yeah. That's drive. Yeah. And it must be like a, like such a powerful but humbling thing to be able to change someone's life that dramatically in such a positive way too. It feels wonderful. And it, it, because it's, it's fulfilling my mission, but you know, the key is there's accountability. And when we're conditioned to set false limits and, you know, when we set these big audacious objectives, they'll come back and say, well, I can do 10% more by the end of the year. Why can't you do 20? Well, because of this, that, and the other thing. All right, well, let's blow that, this, that, and the other thing. Let's break it down. Yeah. And, and shoot holes in it. Okay, I could do 20. All right, why can't you do 30%? And that's not just work. It's not just income. It's every facet of your life. And people realize, yeah, wow, that's right. You're right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's one of the big things for the innovation class. It's because, like, there's, there's this, oh, it's never going to happen date of you're going to graduate and leave. And so kind of the part of the innovation class is that, you know, you're 16, 17, 18, and you're in high school, you're adorable. You're adorable. The world will love you right now because you're doing something right now. When you get out of high school and you become 19 or 20, people aren't going to care. You're going to be like, just like everyone else, you know, and what's going to happen then? And kids go, because, oh my gosh. And so like, you know, everyone, especially at the end of the year right now, everyone's just trying to book it, you know, and get everything right. as fast as possible. Yeah, it's and you said something about some be like someone else. I, you know, I think that is such a um, I call it coerced conformity. About everyone's got to march in the same line. You have to do the same thing, and then that's when you get into the whole thing of well, why are you majoring in finance? Well, because my five friends did. My dad said I should do it, and you have to stand out and you have to you have to stick up for yourself and being different is great. And, and in our society, sometimes we give pay lip service to that. Um, but I literally grew my beard out two years ago and shaved my head because people thought I shouldn't do that. And if you tell me I shouldn't do something, I'm going to go do it. <laughs> and because it's, it's be different. Don't be afraid. Tom Bilyeu has a, a phrase called uh, unplug from the matrix. Yep. And it's, it's wonderful because that when you finally unplug, it's like, oh my gosh, everyone else, it, what are you doing? You want to slap them in the face and say, oh, yeah. unplug. <laughs> so, Because like, at that point you have to, like if you look at, like I have this conversation with some people all the time, like AI, it's here. Right. Sooner or later, like, you know, you're already starting to see it within the checkout aisles and then with, you know, driverless, uh, driverless cars and things like that. And people are like, well, you know, I'm safe. Can your job be automated? You, and the only, and the people that are going to 
continue to basically survive because this is survival of the fittest are, are the doers and are the creators and are the thinkers. They're the people who can make things better. They're people that can change other people, right? Like, you know, if you're, no offense, but like, if you're, I mean, I'm going to be working at a fitness desk um, the next week because I, I have a new job. I just started. Yeah. That, Congrats. That, thank you. But that's going to be automated someday. And right. I'm fully aware of that. But, you know, I'm going to take advantage now. I'm going to have fun with it. But, you know, if that's your job, if that's your commitment, that's not good. You know, no one's setting themselves up well. No, exactly. And, and, and when you talk about that, the economy of tomorrow, the society of tomorrow, we're prepping people for that with the educational system yeah. and the prep of 40 years ago and 50 years ago, maybe a hundred years ago. Um, you know, our current educational system is actually based on the Prussian model that was very militaristic or geared toward forcing everyone to do certain things. And in our entrepreneurial society, where people aren't working for 40 years for the same employer anymore. Some people are, but yeah. most people are not. Um, we got to get stuff in gear or we're not going to be prepared for the, what's coming. So. Oh yeah. And I, I totally agree. And I wanted to pivot one more direction because we're almost out of time. Yeah. I just want to ask you, it's like, how'd you get so good at LinkedIn? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Cause like, I, cause like, I was, there's been so much going on because I took up two sports and then like this job and then everything. And so like, I got to researching you yesterday and today. And I was like, I didn't know what I got into. I was like, you know, you know, scrolling through stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like this guy is this, oh my gosh. And cause Quentin Alms is kind of like, I, I like to consider him like, he's like, he's such a cool kid. And I really, oh yeah. but he's, and so immediately he's like this guy, talk to this guy. And then I was like, oh, okay, Quentin. And then I started digging and I was like, oh my goodness. So how'd you, like, how'd you do it? And then how'd you build such a good personal brand? Um, you know, Quentin helps me out. Um, I think I started with um, really trying to be myself and who I am and uh, focus on, there's some people who are like, all right, I got to be a marketer. So I got to be Gary Vee. I got to be Tom Bilyeu. I got to be Lewis Howes. It's like, yeah. no, be yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I started with that. I started with my purpose, my vision, my why of what I want to do. And there's not a, you can't watch a single video without, someone actually just told me this today. You can't watch a single one of my videos without knowing what my why is. Um, and then I coupled that with fun things like my logo, which is my bald head, my glasses yeah. and my beard. I redid everything that way. And it, it just has kind of exploded. And I, I want to do videos that, I get pumped up and motivated from making. Yeah. And so I just do that. And if people don't like it, well, that's fine. I don't care. I have a superhero theme. I, if you don't like that, you think it's <laughs> too bad. I don't care. I love Justice League. I love Avengers. All right. Who cares? That's me. So, yeah. That is the way to do it. I think, and I think for like some people, because even me sometimes, it's, it's a little difficult to, you know, really show yourself out on on the internet, especially like with LinkedIn, we're supposed to be like a little, you know, professional. But I think when you start to be able to do that and you, you gradually work yourself into it, then it just gets, then it gets fun. Absolutely. And you can't get too caught up in the numbers. You can't get too caught up. Listen, I have people all the time, you know, people call them trolls who come in and say mean things to me. And I know people who will have mean things said to them and they're like, sorry, I'm taking a break from LinkedIn. I, I, I might give it all up. I can't do it anymore. And I was raised with a, I have a certain philosophy about bullies because I was very overweight as a child and I used to get bullied incessantly. And the way I ended that 
was bloody noses uh, for the bullies. And what I've always discovered is that when a bully gets punched in the nose, figuratively or uh, verbally, they don't bully you anymore because you now have power. Yeah. And so um, what I tell people is, listen, if a troll came up to you on the street and said that same thing to you, what would you do? Now, some people would start crying and run away. I would tell that troll to, it's a, it's a family-friendly <laughs> show, but I would say a certain thing to them and if it escalated, that's why I teach my kids boxing because yeah. if you have the power, then you're more confident in yourself. And it's not about fighting. It's not about all that. But if you feel that you have power, if you feel that um, you know where you're going and you have confidence, then it's easier to find your vision. It's easier to find your purpose. That comes out in everything you do, including yeah. storytelling, including videos, including what you do. And that projecting that confidence is so vital in everything we do. Um, and I think that needs to be taught more. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Especially with, well, power can come from anywhere, honestly. Like, I mean, I know for a fact, like neurologically males have twice as many, um, serotonin receptors as females so if you say if like if one guy like applauds another guy like hey you're doing a, you're doing great that guy, he's like awesome man i'm gonna keep going for months on end i'm gonna work hard and you that's and that's typical it's very typical and that's why you know most a lot of men are in the business field because it takes a lot of well a lot of that and then you know women on the other hand but they need they need to be loved more they need to be comfortable um comforted more because you know, we don't have as many serotonin receptors. We need a, we need a little more foundation, a little more support to be able to grow. And then, so, so from confidence, from like love, from doing things, um, from understanding, like what you said, who you are having a rooted area, you're going to be so much better off in life. So you're like, thank you. I didn't even think about that. I didn't think about that thing. And it's, you don't have to, and we've talked about people who get offended in our society. You know, you can empower women without demeaning men. You can empower yeah. men. You could talk about male empowerment. And some people, well, you can't talk about male empowerment without <laughs> demeaning women. And we can just talk about human empowerment um, because I think a problem in the society is we have this scarcity mindset that if you're for something, you must be against something. Yeah. And it's like, no, why can't I just want everyone to succeed without you know, um, pointing out uh, Jordan Peterson, Jordy B. Peterson, which ha he has oh a book, 12 Rules. And he talks about a decrease in um, men going to university, increase in alcoholism, depression amongst men, joblessness. Mm -hmm. And people attack him for just merely sharing those statistics. And it's like, yeah. he's not demeaning women. He's just talking about a real problem. And yes, yeah. there's some employment issues with women and glass ceiling and all that. Let's empower everyone, but let's focus on be who you are, you don't have to mimic someone else. Richard yeah. Branson is Richard Branson. Gary Vee's Gary Vee. Mark Cuban's Mark Cuban. They're all individual. They all have their individual superpowers that made them who you are, who they are. Discover what your superpowers are. Invest in them. Be yourself. Be confident in who you are. Find your purpose. And that will lead you to a life of freedom and fulfillment. You you blew me away. I'm sorry. This <laughs> That is, and also that's such a great, note to end on where can everyone find you uh kurt well it, it's a long name kurt mercadante it it it's spelled kind of like it sounds although i've misspelled it before um or search for me search for kurt coach on linkedin um I'm, that's where i'm most active and you will find me most times of the day wonderful and I, once again thank you so much for being on oh thank you it's, it's been an absolute pleasure
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you like what we're doing, please help us grow by sharing our content. And if you have any recommendation for future guests, please email me at agwetrick at gmail.com.